clean and unclean. We don't usually think in those categories today, at least not in the same way that people used to. In the ancient world, there was really no notion that disease was caused by germs. More often than not, people believed that disease was caused by evil spirits or misfortune. Diseases could be contagious, but they believed that that's because evil could pass from one person to another. Today, fortunately, we have a clearer picture of what causes disease and how to prevent its spread. But in the ancient world, in a time before antibiotics and antibacterial soaps and latex gloves and Purell, the only way that they knew how to prevent the spread of disease, like leprosy, was through quarantine. Leprosy today is known as Hansen's disease, and it is treatable for the most part. In the ancient world, leprosy meant any of a number of skin diseases and conditions some of which were temporary. If a skin lesion appeared, that person would go to the priest who would make a diagnosis and decide how long the quarantine needed to be. Let me say at this point that it is much more fun being a priest today than it was then. At the end of the quarantine period, that person would have to show themselves to the priest to be readmitted to the community. But until that time, lepers were shunned for the good of the rest of the people and to prevent the spread of their disease. They were unclean because whatever evil had attached itself to them, they believed could be transmitted to other people. St. Paul in our epistle today is trying to help the Corinthians resolve a question about what is clean and unclean, particularly with regard to food. Because the Corinthians were living in the midst of a pagan culture, they would occasionally be offered food that had been sacrificed to idols. This might happen at a friend's home or it might be on sale at a local butcher shop. So what were they to do? Refuse the food and risk appearing like they think they're better than their hosts? Eat the unclean food and risk scandalizing other Christians who may have once been Jews? So Paul reminds them that the food itself and its origin aren't clean or unclean, but instead their motivation for eating it and the effect that it has on other people might make it unclean, inappropriate for them. So Paul's answer to the problem of whether or not to eat unclean food is to declare that they should endeavor to give no offense to anyone. And while that kind of lets them off the hook, it doesn't really answer the question. And instead, they have to listen to their own consciences, knowing that what they do, even what they eat, has an effect on the people around them. These are not unimportant issues for us. We've mostly gotten over the idea that God cares what we eat, but what is still an issue is the question of how we balance our own consciences and resist giving scandal to the people around us. 
I think the way we have to do this is by having clearer ways to communicate what our highest and most important values are. This became clear to me several years ago. I was at a conference for computer system operators back in the old days when we connected our computers with phone lines. And there was a, a, a man attending the convention who, in addition to being a system operator, was also a Buddhist monk. And his actual name was Rugen Fisher, but we all called him the Old Frog. And I'm not really sure why, but he went by the Old Frog. And at the end of this conference, one of the people who was putting the conference on was hosting a big backyard barbecue. And in the course of this, uh, this party, I walked up and I saw the old frog had a big bacon cheeseburger on his plate. And I didn't want to put him on the spot, not really, but I was also curious. So I said to him, you know, I, I understood that most Buddhists, and in particular Buddhist monks, are strict vegetarians. And he looked at me with a big smile and said, a monk eats what's in his bowl. Okay. And I thought that was a really important lesson. So yes, he has dietary restrictions and guidelines and things that are, that are guided by his faith. But the most important value for him in that moment was not to make a fuss for the people who had invited him to this party. I thought that was pretty impressive. The fact is our ideas of what constitute clean and unclean are changing constantly. And anybody who tries to follow our somewhat fluid dietary guidelines understands this. Red wine used to be bad for you. And now it's good for you. They told us that fats were bad, so we tried all sorts of fat-free foods. And now the evidence is that fats are mostly okay in reasonable quantities, while refined carbohydrates are not so good. People used to think, and maybe some of you remember this, hearing from your parents or grandparents, that going out in the cold with wet hair will cause you to catch a cold. Well, guess what? Colds are caused by viruses, and viruses don't care whether or not your hair is wet. A lot of people were once told that it was a mortal sin to eat meat on Fridays. In the book of Leviticus, a lot of things are declared an abomination, including eating shellfish, trimming one's beard, and wearing clothes made with blended fabrics. So clearly, our moral choices have to be based on something more than just adherence to a list of rules about what's clean and unclean. I think we have to base our choices on love, on love that seeks to avoid harm to people whose consciences may be weak, on love that avoids scandal for the sake of those who would be harmed by it. And this is much more complex than simply following a set of rules. But this is how adult Christians are called to live our lives, not navigating a minefield of unclean people and places and things, but secure in the knowledge that because we are Christ's disciples, 
following his example of healing love, we can make the right choices and we can bring his love into the world.